All right. Hey, folks, and welcome back to the 747 Conversations podcast. It's your host, Chris Shembra, and I'm here with a, a beautiful human, a, a friend of a friend and a great founder, Tom uh, Gerace. Welcome to the podcast, hey, Benny. Hey, it's great to be with you, Chris. Thanks for inviting me on. Tom is, uh, Tom is at the helm of one of the world's leading content marketing companies, Skyward, and is having one heck of a good time and making a great impact on how we, how we run our businesses and uh, a great impact on this world. And the question I have for you today, here with the, the lightning growth of Skyward and the acquisitions you've made and the great places you're going, as you look back on where you've come, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, or just have never thought to give any credit or thanks to, whether it's someone you've never met before or someone you've known your entire life, who would that be? You know, Chris, it's, it's funny. When you ask the question, as you started to ask the question, where, where my mind immediately went was to my father, because he and my mom put everything on the line when we started my first the life insurance policies, they did things that are completely economically irrational because they believed in, believed in me and they believed in my brother who's in that company. And that was, I think, the obvious, the obvious initial answer. But then you said something at the end, which is folks that I have not thanked before. And, and I've, I've had an opportunity as my dad gotten later in life to chat with him about those things and to really thank him in, a, in direct and continuous ways. So that's not one that I've admitted. But the person I'll, I'll put up someone I'm still working with because I think often when you're in a relationship, you don't acknowledge the depth of what someone has done for you. And that'll be our chairman, Jim Mandy, who has, across two companies, been a life mentor, a business mentor, an incredibly supportive investor, and an important leader uh, in the business. Now, how, how did you meet Jim in the first place? Two companies ago. Sure. So I was leading a software platform, a social platform rather than Gather. And we were raising our first major outside round. And we've been talking to a series of venture capital companies. And I presented at a VC forum. And Jim has, uh, in his prior life, led Lotus from 30 people through a successful $3 billion sale to IBM. And so he was a well-known guy in town, obviously known across the software industry as well. And his TTO, a guy named John Landry, was sitting in the audience and heard me speak about what we were building at Gather, which in a nutshell was a MySpace for the NPR set. And John thought Jim would really be interested in this idea of social exchange of ideas and the democratization of publishing. And he put us in touch, and Jim ended up outbidding the, well, not outbidding, I'd say, uh, he matching the other VC offers we had on the table, and we just loved the idea of working with Jim because of all he brings to the table with his, his expertise as an operator and, and his values and how he helps build companies. Now, you mentioned a very good word, values. Sure. Considering Fresh. that, you know, values is all over your Values is all over everything you do, from content marketing to relationship building and beyond. What were those values that stuck out about Jim 
in the early days. Yeah. yeah. Values are actually important across every aspect of our business from company culture to the way in which we do storytelling. One of the, the great opportunities I've had in my life is to co-author a book with Robert McKee, who's one of the world's most recognized experts on storycraft. And Bob would tell you that we think of values as individual things because we think of the positive facets of those values, right? Justice, freedom, fairness. We don't think of the negative, negative of that binary justice fair, you know, justice to injustice, freedom to slavery, quality to inequality, those kind of things. So I think that's important because you really want when you're a leader to think about going from some place that isn't ideal toward the ideal. And that's true in the that's true in the way in which we lead companies as well. So from the beginning, one of the things that one of the values that Jim I wouldn't say he really espouses these values often. He uh, leads by example. And he sets expectations for folks about the way in which relationships will operate. But, but I think he just is so good and so consistent at, at how he lives these values that, and so unwilling to compromise them, that, that you get them through, through osmosis just by being in the room with them. But I think that he, he really does think a lot about uh, transparency, a lot about fairness. He certainly thinks about the values of, that go along with entrepreneurship as well, like being risk takers versus taking a conservative posture all the time and making sure that you are willing to make mistakes and learn from them. And the goal is not to not make mistakes when you're growing a business. It is to you know, not make the same mistakes twice. You want an opportunity to make new ones every day. And uh, so, you know, those are the kinds of things I think that, that come across from Jim right away. It is, uh, it is a concept of, of fairness. It is a concept of justice. It's a concept of always being forthright about what you think. And, and doing the things you will say you will do. Those things, I think, are, are core to who he is as a person. I mean, it's so cool to hear you talk about the idea that, yes, Jim matched the other VC money that you had come in, but it was Jim's values, you know, that stood him apart. What, in terms of risk of investing in you, as an entrepreneur, what do you think he was looking, what, what do you think he was excited about in you that made him take that risk? You know, I never want to speak for Jim. I've learned over time that's not a good habit. I suspect, and now we'll break that rule, I suspect that there's some combination of curiosity, drive to solve a hard problem, and interest in bettering the world in some way that will matter. And, and also, no doubt, you know, the recognition that if you're building a company, you work very long hours and you got to have a little fun along the way. So, you know, that you're going to be good people to work with. I, um, one of the best conversations I've had in my business career was with Jim. And we had a very early acquisition offer for Gather. And I asked him, so this is before we started Skyward, the current company. I asked, I said, Jim, look, this is coming in so early. I really don't know how to think about it. And Jim said, you know, when I'm making big decisions in my life, I usually have found that 
I am happier or satisfied in life if two things align. The first thing is that I'm doing something that I find purposeful. And people can find purpose in a lot of different things. Some people find it in raising their children. Some people find it in preaching a religion. Some people find it in helping or caring for others. Some people find it in building organizations and nurturing leaders. Uh, but it's got to be purposeful for you, something that you find meaningful. And so the second thing is the quality of the people that you're with. And he said, if those two line up, you're typically, even if you're going through tough times, if you're doing something that matters to you and you're surrounded by people uh, that are good folks, that, where it matters to them too, you're able to get through those tough times. But if one of them is, one of them is not present, if you've got purpose, but not a great group of folks that are values aligned surrounding you, then you're going to get really frustrated because you're going to be trying to work on something that you're passionate about and the other folks won't be lined up. And you'll end up feeling very frustrated because you're not supported and that will cause unhappy. Or if the, on the other side, if you've got extraordinary people but no real purpose, you'll all feel like you're wasting your time. Time is the only thing in the universe that we can't get more of. So I, I've reflected often on that framework that that got to be, you know, we ought to focus on having something that is purposeful and on making sure that, that we have an extraordinary organization that's aligned behind that purpose. Uh, when I think about how to make sure that this is a place that I'm happy and that the folks around me are happy and uh, where we can do great work. Because knowing that, we'll get through the good times and we'll get through the bad times. We will celebrate and hopefully see a lot more of the good times and hopefully build the best company we can. And when you talk about purpose and you talk about the quality of the people in your life mm-hmm. and the fact that you know, Jim invested so much time, effort, and energy mentoring you, mm-hmm. where do you think he first found his purpose? Now, there's one I won't go because I, uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, there's so many possible answers in his life. I won't even hazard a guess because Jim found purpose before we met, and I wouldn't want to get such an important question. I respect Uh, that. Yeah, yeah. How do you instill purpose, transparency, risk, having fun, bettering the world? How do you instill that in your company today? $50,000 question. You know, I think when you're starting a company, when it's just you in an office and you're putting ink to paper and you haven't hired anybody, it's a perfect time to set that up because you get to do it and you do it on your own because, in effect, you have a chance as the only employee and the only stakeholder to set the values of the organization. And if you come up with the right set and there are sets that aligns with your market, you can see incredible gains in, in organizational productivity, in profitability, in market share, in customer alignment, customer retention, those kinds of things. The Havas Meaningful Brands study does a great job of talking about brands that mean something to their customers and why this is important. But it's hard to do, right? Because what, if, you, if you're a single person and then you're expanding the company for that day, so that means you can 
recruit investors who sign up to those values and commit to them. And you can hold everyone accountable from uh, a board perspective to them. It means you can recruit employees and explain your values and train to them. And, and in fact, hold your team accountable to those values. And it means you can share them with your customers right out of the gate. So you're able to, you know, you have the, the advantage when it's just you of setting those values as an entrepreneur. But look, companies evolve. Uh, we merged with TrackMaven in October, late October. And so all of a sudden, we have a new office and a new group of folks, and both sides came in with that. And they are a little different. I mean, in the end, I'll tell you the way in which we behave, most of our values overlap, and the way in which we behave is one of the great strengths of this merger. But you want to make sure that they are crisp and clear and fully aligned. So we are going through, uh, in fact, about to kick off now that we've got the operational integration uh, pretty much done, a values process. And when you're a 200-person company, the CEO can't just come down from on high and say, these are our values, live up. Because what will happen is they will feel hollow. And people won't live up to them, and then they will be hollow, and you'll do more harm than good. What we need to do, and what we will do, is go through a process where we spend time with our key stakeholders. Our primary stakeholders are our team. They're the folks that are going to live by these values, teach these values, hire for these values, manage for these values, make decisions for these values every single day. But we also need to make sure that we're connecting with our market. We need to make sure that we are connecting with our investors, uh, with our board of directors who represent those investors, and that they are key inputs into this process as well. And the reason we want to do that is if you have values that end up aligning the, organi the organization internally and the organization with the marketplace, you get massive, you get massive, massive benefits. You know, a recent example comes from Nike's campaign with Colin Kaepernick. You know, you can think about what Nike achieved through that campaign. That, that was a values-driven campaign. Where they, I believe the tagline was something like, stand up, for, stand up for something, even if it means losing everything. And what Nike was saying, and, re and, and using to reinvigorate their Just Do It brand was that these underlying values, these purposes, these fights matter, and that Colin Kaepernick did the right thing by taking a knee in peaceful protest against violence against black men in America. And that was a powerful statement for a company to make. It was a risky statement for a company to make. If they had more time, I'd walk you through all of the storytelling background and how that aligns with their values and why it works so brilliantly for them and paid big economic uh, dividends for them. But, but the so what is Nike's values, which were to be active about making change inside the corporation, aligned directly with that campaign, which aligned directly with those buyers they were targeting. In that case, black athletes who are the fashion leaders across all athletic here. So really setting an industry-wide trend uh, when they made that connection. And they were able to see 
exactly what they wanted. It lifted their company, it lifted their profile, it made their team feel like they were doing something more than making shoes. They were changing the world, they were changing how people think, they were changing how people get along. And it made their customers want to buy from them more. Isn't that a great result? So that's the holy grail. And so we are in a process of, uh, of gathering this information and we're in the very early stages of it. It's going to take several months and I am committing personally to being the facilitator of that work. Uh, in this case, I cannot be the determiner of those outcomes because our key stakeholders, team, investors, clients, our creative community will bring those ideas to the table at the start. It sounds like you're taking on the the guide role, the guide, the listener, the facilitator. And in my mind, that's one of the greatest qualities of leadership. And I thank you for taking that initiative. Very kind. Very kind. Thank you. And, and you know, by the way, not, not for nothing, Nike's stock, I believe, uh, rose, you know, two to 5% after announcing the marketing partnership with Colin. So it, I think it worked out quite well. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And I, th- I believe their sales for gear in that same period were up 30% year over year. Uh, yeah. But you, you'd want to check that stat before you print it somewhere. <laughs> and final question, if you were on the phone with Jim instead of on the phone with some guy in New York City with a fanny pack, what would you say to him? Well, first, knowing Jim, I wouldn't want to be on the phone. I'd want to be at a bar drinking a really good bourbon with a single <laughs> cube of ice. It's a hard call, right? Uh, Jim and I are both Italian guys. We don't often find ways to thank people in the way you want to thank them in your life. But I think Jim has made profound and meaningfully positive, dif- meaning- and a meaningfully positive difference in who I am as a person and how... I live my life and in the resources I'll have to live my life uh, for the rest of it in the work I've been able to do. And together uh, across both companies, we've given, you know, we've created high wage jobs for uh, probably 400 different roles. I, I don't know how many hundreds of people have been in those roles over the last 15 years. I don't know how you thank somebody for that other by, other than by staying their friends and by, giving back to them in their lives whenever you can, however you can. But I would probably try to say those kinds of things by the second glass of bourbon. What's his favorite type of bourbon? <laughs> I brought him one called Whistle Pig recently that he seemed to like. Uh, that's a rye, actually. But I don't know. He got me into bourbon about two years ago. It was a good winter drink, and, and it's something I've been enjoying with him since, so... We, we, keep, we keep exploring the new ones, though. There's always a great new distillery coming out, so it's fun to go from craft bourbon to craft bourbon over time. I like it. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I hope our listeners have learned as much about life and business and relationship as I have today, most notably the, the wonderful conversation you had with Jim about the only two things that it really comes down to or doing something purposeful and surround yourself with a, a quality of people that you want to you know, spend the rest of your life with and build great relationships with. And 
boy, if, if there's nothing else that matters in this world, those are two great things. And I thank you for sharing those stories. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And to all our listeners, please go check out what Skyward's all about. They're really flipping the model of content marketing on their head and, and having a fun time along the way doing it. They're creating content that means things. And uh, that's so important in today's day and age. I hope y'all are having a phenomenal day on earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.